The bell is wrong. Welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality, hosted by yours truly, Razman's Reality. This, of course, is your Monday Night Raw review for February 25th, 2019. And as a special added bonus to all of you out there, I had the opportunity to go and view the biopic based on Paige's amazing journey in life and WWE on her way to becoming the Divas Champion, the film Fighting With My Family from WWE Studios and MGM, directed by Steven Merchant and produced by The Rock. So we're going to be covering that film as a bonus to this episode following the review. So Raw begins in the best way possible as Roman Reigns returns and announced he is in remission from leukemia. Then later on in the night, after being hugged by Seth Rollins, following his announcement, he and Seth would proceed to help Dean Ambrose. So are we going to see some sort of six-man tacking match? Or are we going to see some form of Roman Reigns teaming up with Dean Ambrose again? So I am very, very happy that Roman Reigns is healthy. It does seem a little bit strange, or did seem a little bit strange I should say to me that someone would be in remission so quickly however I've been told by those who suffer from leukemia that I know that leukemia is a very treatable cancer and as such it is possible for some to become in remission sooner than others so I don't think it's fair to be skeptical of WWE over this I've seen some people even go so far as to be fearful that this might be a work by WWE. WWE might do a lot of stupid things, people, but they're not going to work somebody having cancer. So let's just move on. Let's be happy for Roman and let's see what's in store for Roman down the road. Now I skipped a little bit ahead here to try and tie the beginning and middle storylines together, but everything from here on out will be in the order that it happened on Monday Night Raw. Our first match of the night was Ricochet and Aleister Black defeating Raw Tag Team Champions, The Revival. The Revival lose for a second straight week after becoming the Raw Tag Team Champions. Now, there are two ways you can look at this. Either The Revival is being punished for asking for their release a few months ago, but if that was the case, why would they be tag team champions in the first place? So no, I don't think that the new NXT talent is burying the Revival. Rather, I think the way that we should look at this, the second way, is that the Revival is doing what it needs to do as the best tag team on Raw and arguably in all of WWE besides the other champions, the Usos, to put over new talent and to make sure the tag team is back in the forefront in WWE. So I'll have to wait and see how that turns out and whether or not that ends up being the case. I really enjoyed the match though. It was a really, really solid match. And Ricochet and Aleister Black were very well together. So if they're a tag team going forward, which I don't see, I think they're better as singles wrestlers. But if they're a tag team going forward, I'm all for it. Next up, we had the Riot Squad taking on the team of Natalia and Raw Women's Champion Rowdy Ronda Rousey, who was indeed attacked by the man. So the rumors of 
Becky Lynch returning to Raw for Ric Flair's birthday it did happen, but it didn't happen in the way that we all expected it would. But Ronda Rousey to attack by Becky Lynch, and Becky Lynch looks strong as Becky Lynch always does. She gets quote unquote arrested for violating her suspension. And then the most interesting thing of the entire night, in my opinion, save the ending, which of course we will get to, is that Rowdy Ronda Rousey calls out Vince McMahon. She doesn't get Vince, she gets Stephanie. She says, hey, Steph, I realize that Vince just sent you out here to do his bidding. You're just doing your job. I'm tired of this. Becky deserves to be in WrestleMania main event. This was unfair of this suspension to happen in the first place. Reinstate Becky. Let this match happen the way it should. Me, Becky, Charlotte, the first ever women's championship main event in WrestleMania history. Think about what this means to you. Think about what this means to your family. Stephanie, probably fearful of what her father would say, toes the line here. And although you can clearly see what the rowdy one, the baddest woman on the planet, is saying to Stephanie McMahon, is getting to her. Stephanie toes the line and says, Rhonda, I'm sorry. I'm afraid it's a hard no. Rhonda then gets furious and says, No, that's not good enough. I'm Rowdy Ronda Rousey. You don't owe me. I was fighting before I could walk. To paraphrase basically what she was saying, I fought enough. I came here for legacy, for pride, to wear this title with pride. You basically have turned this championship into an ornament that doesn't even suit my style. So until you allow me to defend it against the best, I can't condone you throwing this title down the crapper. Again, I'm paraphrasing, don't have the exact promo in front of me, but you get the point. Then she lays down the Raw Women's Champion at Stephanie's feet and walks away. So Ronda Rousey basically surrendered the Raw Women's Championship because she's insisting that Becky Lynch give back the match that she earned by winning the Royal Rumble. I've been very critical of this story because I'm a huge Becky Lynch fan. I think that her winning the Royal Rumble and getting a one-on-one match at WrestleMania should have been what happened because it's what everyone wanted. But for whatever reason, they don't feel they, being WWE creative, doesn't seem to feel that Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch are strong enough to carry a main event on their own. Or maybe they just want to reward Charlotte Flair for being one of the faces of their division. At any rate, this whole thing went down and I had to adjust myself to it, as did all hardcore fans of the man Becky Lynch. And then something strange started to happen. Charlotte Flair played the perfect heel. Perfect, cocky, arrogant, getting under my skin the way she always does. Nothing really changed there, but she really started to take it to a whole other level because she started to feel like she should have been entitled to this match the entire time. That Becky Lynch did not even deserve to be in the match. Then Ronda Rousey becomes a victim of Becky Lynch's suspension. And Ronda Rousey, instead of being angry at Becky Lynch, has actually, as I just mentioned, stood up and said, What's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. So this whole storyline, whether it resolves 
and a big swerve and the fans getting what they want anyway because there's some kind of match between Becky and Charlotte. Yes, again, but this time it would make sense because they could have a match at Fastlane and then if Charlotte loses, Charlotte's out. Or whether it does result in a triple threat main event for WrestleMania, I do think that Becky Lynch fans and wrestling fans in general will be thrilled with the first ever true women's main event at WrestleMania. This is going to happen, people. Whether it's going to be Becky versus Ronda one-on-one or whether it's going to be Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte, we're going to get the true main event spot. The final match of WrestleMania is going to be these likely three women, possibly two women. I don't know. But the reason I'm spending so much time talking about it is because of that, because of the fact that I don't know. WWE has done such a brilliant job of carrying this story. And I was talking to a friend of mine last night. We were texting during Raw. And we said this WrestleMania feels like, and I do have to stop myself from saying WrestleMania every time because I'm such a big Becky Lynch fan. But I only do it every once in a while when I'm emphasizing a point about her. I know I'm an objective wrestling fan host for all of you out there. But anyway, what I'm saying is we were talking and we said that this WrestleMania has the potential to feel like the old days. What these women are doing has just absolutely transcended the business. I honestly get so excited when Becky comes out and now with what Ronda and Charlotte are doing, but particularly what Ronda did last night, you forget that things are scripted half the time in the storyline. This has been so well done. Bravo to WWE on this one. I cannot wait to see where this goes. And I haven't been this excited for a WrestleMania match in years. Next up in a typical Raw fashion, because we've started so strong, we need to have something in the middle to give the crowd some time to breathe. So Jinder Mahal comes out of nowhere for some reason, starts doing his whole thing like quit ignoring me, shanti, shanti, shanti. Throws out an open challenge and it gets answered by Hall of Famer Kurt Angle who quickly defeats Mahal in a very quick match. So Kurt Angle back on his winning ways. We'll have to wait and see what kind of retirement angle this may lead to with Angle at WrestleMania. Next up, it was Finn Balor, the Intercontinental Champion, on the moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss. Alexa sort of flirting with Finn, just as she did with EC3. So I don't know if Alexa's supposed to be like the extra sexy girl now because of what happened a couple of weeks ago with the incident where she didn't realize someone was knocking on her door. Or if this is their representation of the Attitude Era, throwback woman in the middle of all this great wrestling. I, I don't really know what's going on here with this, but it was kind of funny to watch these two flirt back and forth. But then Leo Rush shows up. And Leo Rush is like, you don't deserve to be Intercontinental Champion Finn. Bobby Lashley deserves it. He's out there to do his job as the hype man and get a rematch for Bobby Lashley. What's Finn Balor do? Finn Balor turns it around and says, Hey, look, you were the one that I beat for the championship, Leo. You should be the one to get your first opportunity. And I'll grant it to you. 
So we get an Intercontinental Championship match between Leo Rush and Finn Balor. And this ends up being the match of the night. This by far was the bell-to-bell -bell match of the night. If you've never seen Leo Rush wrestle, if you weren't a fan of indie wrestling and you only follow WWE and you never followed 205 Live because why would you? 205 Live has become irrelevant because of the way WWE has booked it here ever since its inception. If you never really had a chance to see what Leo Rush can do in the ring, if you didn't pay attention to the handicap match because you knew that Leo Rush was only in there to take a pinfall, do yourself a favor and watch this match because when Leo Rush is in there with somebody that can really go as well, he puts on amazing work. And if this is to eventually get Leo Rush to be considered a true Mick Carter and then Leo Rush ends up being in a feud with Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, I'm all for it because Leo Rush deserves it and this match was amazing. Where does Finn Balor go from here? Probably to a match with Bobby Lashley at Fastlane in that feud. I don't know what he ends up doing at WrestleMania right now, but we'll have to wait and see. Next up, it was supposed to be Bobby Lashley in an ODQ match against Braun Strowman. Another throwaway, calm the crowd down moment. Instead, it just sort of devolved into Braun Strowman kind of running around the ring, doesn't really do anything basically takes out Lashley, then McIntyre and Corbin come out and those three guys lay waste to Braun Strowman. So I don't really know where this is leading. I have a guess based on what happened with Roman Reigns and um, Dean Ambrose. Maybe it's a six-man tag with Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Braun Strowman against Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin at WrestleMania. But that's just a guess. I really have no idea exactly where it's going to go. But I'm, I am tired of seeing these six guys in a feud around each other, or however many guys it is. I apologize if I lost count, but my point is that I'm tired of seeing Braun Strowman surrounded by Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin, so I guess that's four guys. I said six, my bad. But I'm tired of seeing those group of guys around each other. So I hope it all culminates and leads somewhere so we can move on from it. Next up, Dean Ambrose comes out and challenges Drew McIntyre to an ODQ match, and that's what leads to the save that I just talked about with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins saving Dean Ambrose, teasing that the old Dean is fully back and that there is going to be some kind of shield reunion or at least some form of it down the road. Next up in a singles match, it was one half of the Boston Hub connection, one half of the women's tag team champions, Bailey defending against, defending, sorry, got ahead of myself, but defeating one half of the tag team that they will be defending the women's tag team titles against at Fastlane, Nia Jax, as they will be facing Nia Jax and Tamina for the titles at Fastlane. This was as good as it's going to get. Nia Jax has never impressed me in the ring. She has that reputation of hurting people. Bailey was clearly carrying her, but it's always nice to see Bailey in some kind of action on Raw. So 
this was what it was. And finally, we get to our main event segment of the night. And boy, oh boy, was this unexpected. All night long, all week long, we've heard about Ric Flair's 70th birthday celebration on Raw. This is what's supposed to go down. All kinds of guests, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, Sting, the whole kit and caboodle there to celebrate with Ric Flair. The WWE presents a custom-made WWE World Heavyweight Championship belt with Ric Flair's name on it, all his accomplishments on the side plate area. I mean, it was a beautiful belt. Triple H calls out Ric Flair after a beautiful package reminding us who Ric Flair is and all he's accomplished and all of that. And then what do we see? But we see a shadowy figure grab the cameraman and drag the cameraman to a doorway saying, don't move. Camera pans up and we get a glimpse of that shadowy figure. That shadowy figure is none other than the animal Batista, who has made his return to WWE once again, saying, hey Hunter, do I have your attention now? Huh? Sorry if I screamed a little bit in your ear there, but I was trying to copy Batista's enthusiasm for that moment. So we get the much rumored setup for a returning Batista against Triple H at WrestleMania. This was not an ending I saw coming, especially since I didn't know that Triple H was cleared after his recent pectoral injury, nor did I know that Batista had resigned for another run in WWE because there was even stories about him talking with the AEW guys. But then again, what wrestler hasn't been linked recently to a story about him talking to the AEW guys? So this was a wonderful, unexpected ending. And this Raw, despite the boring parts in the middle, was a great Raw. This is exactly how Raw should feel. It should have moments that stick out like the women's storyline and like Batista's return and like a great Intercontinental Championship match in the middle. Great Raw, four out of five if I had to use the star rating, only taking a star off because of boring stuff in the middle. Great Raw, WWE, you have a lot to do going into SmackDown tonight. So I give you credit. This, this was great and I look forward to everything going forward now on Raw. Maybe Bruce Pritchard, who is officially back, if you heard Saturday's show, I didn't know if it was official, but it is official. So, or sorry, Sunday's show, it was this week, and it'll only be Saturday's show, but the first episode of the show I talked about, I didn't know if that rumor was true or not. Well, it turns out that it is. So maybe old Brucey didn't take too long to get back in the swing of things, because this was a great Raw. This felt like an old school Raw. This is exactly what Raw should be all the time. Good work, WWE. On to talking a little bit about fighting with my family. And I'm going to do my best to not spoil things for you because I know there are many of you who may not even have the opportunity to see this in the cinema, but will definitely be checking it out on digital or Blu-ray here shortly when it's released. So I don't want to spoil everything about the movie, but it is a hard film to talk about without talking about what went down in it. So here's what I will say. 
this was better than the documentary. If you're familiar with the documentary, The Wrestlers Fighting With My Family, that this whole thing was based on, that The Rock saw, went to Paige and said, Paige, we're going to make a movie out of your family story. If you're familiar and you've seen that documentary, which I just rewatched yesterday in preparation for knowing that I was going to get to see the film today, this is far better because it's able to delve more into what went on with the family. And I know that the guy who played Paige's brother, the main brother, Zach, in this movie, I got to spend a lot of time with the real Zach, who makes a cameo as a drug dealer who Zach turns around and trains to be a wrestler in the film. So, I have a feeling that they were able to really get inside Zach's head. And this movie is as much Zach's story and the rest of the family, too. I mean, Ricky and and Soraya are there, played by Lena Hitt. Heedy from Game of Thrones, Cersei Lannister, and Nick Frost, they're there. But they have very, very small parts. This is all about Paige, aka Soraya Knight, and her brother, Zack Knight. And man, this movie, what really surprised me about it is it's just as much Zack's story as it is Paige, if not more. They, they did a great job with Zach really made you feel for Zach and what they did with this movie was they succeeded in making the best wrestling film ever made. Yeah, I'm gonna go so far as to say that I think it's a better film than The Wrestler was because it shows more of what it takes to be a wrestler and what wrestlers go through and the hardships and how no matter who you are, nothing gets handed to you. All of that is really, really present in the film. And you really see Paige's growing pains. You learn how she almost gave up before succeeding in the climax and becoming Divas Champion. Really the only niggle that I have with the film is there is a major omission for Paige's career, which I won't spoil in case you haven't seen it and you want to see it. But I'm a little bit surprised that it wasn't in the film. But then again, I started thinking about it and I think, well, the film was almost two hours long in runtime. It had a one hour, 45 minute runtime. So maybe they felt like they had to advance the story along toward the end. So I'm a little bit indifferent about it now. I think I understand why the decision process was made. They had three random girls who Paige befriended and NXT ended up helping them learn how to become better wrestlers. I don't know who they were supposed to represent among the current WWE crop, if anyone, or they were just to help the Paige character, but Paige is played beautifully in this movie. The young actress whose name escapes me right now, I do apologize for that. This is the only thing I've ever seen her in, but she was Paige to a T. So if she didn't work, the movie didn't work, and everything about this movie worked. The only thing that I will say, and I don't consider this a spoiler for those of you who haven't seen the film, because anyone interested in seeing this film that's a wrestling fan listening to a podcast like this will already know what happened the night that Paige won the Divas Championship from AJ Lee. That is the climax of the film. 
And the one problem I have with it, other than Selena Vega playing AJ Lee, basically being Selena Vega, not looking like AJ Lee, but maybe there were fear of assuming by AJ and CM Punk for her likeness in the film. I, I don't really know what the case was for there, but you know, Selena did a good job cutting AJ's promo and sounding like AJ when she was cutting AJ's promo. So that was all good. But my issue comes from in that match, in that final scene with that match, they had Paige be booed. And it was all to do with earlier on in the film and something that happened. And it was clearly there for a dramatic effect. And I get it. Because this is about appealing to a wider audience and not just wrestling fans. So I get it. But the wrestling fan, the hardcore wrestling fan in me that went to see this movie for the accuracy of Paige's story, that really, really bothered me. But other than that, this is a tremendous, tremendous film. Five out of five stars. Well done from everyone involved. I cannot recommend it enough. As I say, to me, it's the best wrestling film ever made to this point to this day. So go and see Fighting With My Family. If you're skeptical of it and didn't know whether it's worth seeing because you're not a big fan in the past of all of the WWE studio films, this is more than a WWE studio film. Clearly had a bigger budget. Vince Vaughn is great as the NXT coach in this film. Really has the mannerisms of an NXT coach down to a T. Clearly spent time with those who would fill that role. Just everything about the film works. So see Fighting With My Family. Please do yourself a favor and see it. That'll wrap up this edition. I will see you tomorrow with a SmackDown review. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening platform if you haven't done so already. And please, if you haven't done so already, be so kind as to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as it really does help with the algorithm quite a bit. And as always, this has been your Razman's Reality Check.